This show is about songwriting, but the skill of reinterpretation is just as important. Right now, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the king and queen of reinterpretation in pop music, Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack. Donny Hathaway was a singer, a songwriter, a pianist, a student of music to the very end. He was a man with a complicated mind and an undeniable spirit. He was a master of reinterpretation, and for his third record, he teamed up with his college friend and best-known musical companion, the soul queen of the classic Killing Me Softly and so many other tunes, Roberta Flack. Roberta Flack is a master of reinterpretation in her own right. The songs Killing Me Softly with his song and The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face are songs written by other artists, but it was Roberta's incredible ability to filter them through her own multifaceted lens that made her work so special. Her record with Donny Hathaway featured well-known hits like You've Got a Friend, Baby I Love You, and You've Got That Loving Feeling, but they were all notably different than their original versions. There's a depth, a sorrow as rich as the colors of a Georgia sunset on each and every one of these recordings. Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway heard music differently because they saw the world differently. Roberta Flack would continue to reshape pop music several decades after their initial collaborations. Donny Hathaway, however, would not be so fortunate. Donny suffered from severe depression and was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia at the height of his career. His behavior became increasingly erratic and he would eventually take his own life in the winter of 1979. He was just 33 years old. This small world could not contain his vast and beautiful mind. Of all of the musical gifts that Donnie gave us in his time on this earthly plane, the one that speaks to us the most is this. It's his rendition of Leon Russell's A Song For You, the only ballad of its kind. A Song For You lets us hear the voices of the spirits that lived beside Donnie, what those voices sounded like, and what gave them their ability to build and destroy. Present in this recording are the peaks of Donnie's joy and the deep abyss of his pain. A textured topographical map of his soul. When Donnie sings the lyrics, listen to the melody, cause my love is in there hiding. You know he means it. This may not be an original Donnie Hathaway composition, but it's certainly his song. My name is Micah McKee. I'm a songwriter. And this is American 100. You came out in front, but I was hiding. Now I'm so much better. And if my words don't come together, listen to the man.
Broadcasting from the musical center of the universe into the vast stretches of the universe, this is American 100. Welcome to American 100, the show where we explore the random and not-so-random beauty of pop songwriting. My name is Micah, and this is my robot companion, Rando. Hi. What's the matter, Rando? You don't sound like your normal chipper self, man. I'll be okay. I don't know, buddy. You sound kind of down. Maybe over the course of this episode, we can get to the bottom of it. At the end of every episode, Rando is kind enough to randomly select a year and two songs from the Billboard Year End Hot 100 for us to discuss. And at the end of the last episode, he selected the year 1969 and the numbers 11 and 69, which correlate with the song One by Three Dog Night and 25 Miles by Edwin Starr. So without further ado, let's take a trip back to 1969. Loneliness is one of the oldest subjects of written song. The biblical King David sang, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The early bluesmen of the 20th century felt isolated by bigotry and hardship and turned to song to express their loneliness in profound ways that would assemble the DNA of nearly all popular American music. The great lightning rod of American rock and roll, Elvis Presley, said that the saddest song he ever heard was Hank Williams' I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. It was first recorded in 1949 and has been covered countless times over the decades. We tend to find solace in the company of music. When we're down and troubled and need a helping hand, to paraphrase Carol King, we've got a friend in music. But how does one construct a meaningful song that evokes a feeling that is so common? This task is actually much more challenging than it might seem. Though Here I Go Again by White Snake is about loneliness, it sure as hell doesn't sound like it. The trebly guitars and Victoria's vocal are much too aggressive to spark anything but fist-pumping enthusiasm. This song doesn't make us feel alone because we're not convinced that the songwriters and performers are alone. This, of course, is not to say that a song can't be ebullient and energetic and also feel utterly lonesome. 
consider for a moment one of the loneliest pop songs ever constructed. I Wanna Dance With Somebody is most certainly a fun dance song. But its lyrics, its chord structure, and most notably Whitney Houston's isolated and desperate plea for companionship make it undeniably a lonely song. It's one of my favorite songs to cover on the acoustic guitar and when performed correctly can be a bit of a tearjerker. In order to cook up a pop song that effectively conveys one of the most common yet most complex of emotions, you need to be a bit of an alchemist. One of the great alchemists of pop songwriting was Harry Nilsson. Reaching critical and commercial success in the late 1960s and early 1970s, Nilsson was a songwriter's songwriter. He would write hits for the monkeys. He idolized and was idolized by the Beatles. And Harry Nilsson could craft a pop song for any mood or state of mind out of raw materials spinning straw into gold. A songwriter named Fred Neal originally wrote this song, Everybody's Talking. But in Harry Nilsson's hands, it becomes a classic ode to disillusionment and the struggle to find one's place in the universe. The song has all the folky individualism of a Roger Miller tune. But Nilsson imbues it with all the musical sophistication of a Brian Wilson composition. And if you wanted a bubblegum pop song with a touch of revolver, Harry Nilsson usually had you covered. This song, Cuddly Toy, was covered by the Monkees and was one of their cleverest tracks, featured on the LP Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. And if you wanted a song with a bizarre, intense groove, perfect for reflecting the social anguish at the beginning of the 1970s, Harry Nilsson had that too. Harry Nilsson was pop music's mad scientist. He knew just how to mold the molecular structure of a song to fit any mood that he put his mind to. Harry's grandmother was a classical pianist and was one of the major influences of his early musical life. Perhaps it's from her that he discovered the distinctive sadness of the minor key. This is Tchaikovsky's Romance in F Minor, an utterly lonesome piece. 
a man sitting at a keyboard, longing for his love. Fast forward to the late 1960s, when Harry Nilsson would write the following masterpiece. Also in F minor, it too begins with a lonely man at his keyboard longing for his love. The first track on the very first album by the American rock band Three Dog Night, one's staccato intro is supposed to evoke the sound of a busy signal on a telephone. Nilsson, forever the Beatles devotee, pulls a trick out of the book of the song Hello Goodbye. He uses simple yet effectively endearing wordplay to demonstrate the speaker's plight. Nilsson usually deals in this kind of tongue-in-cheek sensibility, but midway through the song, he turns this on its head and becomes extremely heartfelt. It's just no good anymore since you went away. Now I spend my time just making rhymes of yesterday. One is an example of accepted loneliness, almost embraced. Nilsson doesn't want you to feel sorry for him. He wants you to understand the weight of loneliness and the power that music has to convey it. The catchy repetition here is quite intentional. Nilsson knows that isolation is something we are all familiar with and that a chorus that we can all sing along with is the most appropriate approach. Three Dog Night has Harry Nilsson to thank for this brief but ingenious meditation on solitude. And it remains that band's most recognizable hit. On the Billboard year-end Hot 100 of 1969, one landed at number 11. Covered by everyone from Amy Mann to the Muppets, Harry Nilsson and Three Dog Night proved that loneliness changes but never goes out of style. Coming up, we take a long walk through the winding road of American soul. You're listening to American 100. Hello, everyone. Asher Griffith here. I'm a producer on American 100 and many other shows in Cicada Radio Network, notably for this announcement, a show called How Do You Like Your Eggs, a show about service industry life in New Orleans. During Carnival Time, we featured the Good Trouble Network, a collective working to use their service industry skills to raise funds for meaningful causes. They put together a Mardi Gras repair kit to benefit the Orleans Parish Prison Reform Council. Dean Lambert of Good Trouble is with us to tell us a little bit more. Hi, how are you? We had a very successful fundraiser last month. We sold out of every 
meal box of the Mardi Gras repair kit. We raised over $7,000, so it was wonderful. Their next event will be on March 21st. It's a Broad Street crawl box featuring businesses along the Broad Street corridor. You know, Milkfish, obviously, Christina Quackenbush, she works out of the Broad Theater there. Um, you know, uh, we're talking to breweries. There's a lot of great businesses along Broad Street there. And yeah, you can expect beer and great food. Proceeds will benefit Innocence Project New Orleans, who work to release wrongly convicted persons with life sentences. Another really wonderful thing about them is after they are able to exonerate uh, these these individuals that are wrongfully sentenced to life in prison, uh, the Innocence Project New Orleans continues to work with them uh, to rebuild their lives. You need to know more, I know. So it's always a great idea to just follow us on Instagram. We keep uh, regular updates on Instagram, uh, but also we do have a website available now, which is goodtroublenetwork.squarespace.com. And that has all the information uh, about uh, past events, present events, current events, uh, who we are, what we're doing, and also uh, some information about how you can get involved uh, if you want to help in any particular way, uh, whether it's donating or volunteering. So that's, that's, a, that's a great option as well. All right, folks, follow at Good Trouble Network on Instagram, visit goodtroublenetwork.squarespace.com, and listen to How Do You Like Your Eggs wherever you get your pods for more Good Trouble Network. Okay, back to the show. John, there is something about your music. And I finally discovered it after all the times you've come here. You do sexy things. Thank you very much. I mean, that, that's... Mm, romantic music. Are you a romantic individual? I believe in love. I think love is very important in everything. Yeah, amen. I love my work, and I seem to feel it by loving it. Yeah, it just comes out. It feels real good. I said earlier I wanted to embarrass you because I would like you to name drop over the years. Would you just think of 10 or 12 people you've worked with, produced, uh, sung with, written for, whatever? Diana Ross and the Supremes, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Junior Walker and the All-Stars, David Ruffin, Edwin Starr, oh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy stop, Terrell. Stop, 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 stop. Any more? Uh, Johnny Mathis, uh, Tom Jones, all right, Boss right. Skaggs. Stop, <laughs> Boss Skaggs? Yes, 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 I did. All I right, did now album, uh, Slow Dancer. I, I said nice things about you out front because I, I, I believe in that and I mean it sincerely. And this is the toughest question you'll probably ever answer. Who was one of the most exhilarating or fun people or enjoyable that you worked with? I would have to say working with Tammy Terrell and Marvin Gaye. Sometimes when multiple threads from different corners of musical consciousness come together, they form something truly remarkable. The gentleman here being interviewed by Dick Clark is a songwriting mastermind, and his name is Johnny Bristol. Johnny Bristol had his fingerprints all over massive hits, like Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Your Precious Love, and of course, Diana Ross's impenetrable and mystifying classic, Someday We'll Be Together. Johnny Bristol's also a very talented singer, and that's him doing the male background vocal. Right here, you can hear this great ad lib. Johnny responds to Diana by saying, you tell him. Johnny was known for his intense love and devotion for music, and you could hear it. Just check out how he balances spirituality with raw groove in this track. Gotta Hold On To This Feeling by Junior Walker and the All-Stars. 
Johnny Bristol is really good at what he does. Johnny Bristol said that he didn't really enjoy collaborating with other writers, which is odd because his best work comes from collaboration. In the late 1960s, Bristol collaborated with a man named Harvey Fuqua. If you recognize that last name, it's because it's a renowned one. Harvey is the uncle of Antoine Fuqua, director of the crime classic Training Day, and is the nephew of Charlie Fuqua of the legendary vocal group The Ink Spots. I don't want to set the world on fire. Born in Louisville, Kentucky, Fuqua came to Cleveland to work under the guidance of record DJ and pop music guru, Alan Freed. Alan Freed was probably the single most important radio personality in American history. He made it his life's work to promote black popular music to the world in the 1960s, but was later overshadowed by the more clean-cut and opportunistic Dick Clark. Later, Fuqua would bounce around and land in Chicago, where he and the group The Moon Glows, assembled by Alan Freed, recorded the hit single, Sincerely. It was around this time that Harvey aligned himself with a young singer named Marvin Gaye. Fuqua would later connect with our hero, Johnny Bristol, and introduce Marvin Gaye to Tammy Terrell. Now, if you're still following us, we've got two of the most incredibly talented songwriter producers, Harvey Fuqua and Johnny Bristol. And they're producing records for the most legendary label in America with the most legendary singers in American soul. And now they're in Detroit kicking around ideas for their next hit when they hear this. This is the song Mojo Mama, recorded by the great Wilson Pickett. It itself is a rendition of the composition 32 Miles Out of Waycross, originally recorded by Hoagie Lands in 1967. That record is pretty impossible to find and is lost to the dusty record crates of yore. Fuqua and Bristol think that they can take Mojo Mama and turn it into a major hit if it's given a singer with a more bombastic style. Enter one Edwin Starr, singer of barn burners like Agent 00 Soul, SOS, and of course, War, What Is It Good For? Bristol, Fuqua, and Starr, armed with the groundwork laid by Mojo Mama, are ready to lay down a hit record. All they have to do now is hit record. This track begins with a call to arms by Edwin Starr and an unstoppable beat by drummer Uriel Jones of the Motown house band known as the Funk Brothers. This drum beat is the heart of 25 Miles. Whereas Mojo Mama was a straightforward blues rock 4-4, Uriel Jones takes matters into his own hands. 
He transforms it from a garden variety rock and roll song into a foot-stomping success. Edwin Starr's vocal performance definitely elevates this verse, but the difference here is Bristol and Fuqua, who know a good chorus when they find one. Under their guidance, Uriel Jones on the drums delivers one of his most captivating performances and makes it sound bizarrely easy. Fuqua and Bristol took bits and pieces from their previous work and scattered them all about 25 miles. Fuqua took the bold, protruding horn blasts that he orchestrated on tracks like Uptight, Everything's Alright by Stevie Wonder. And Bristol took with him anthemic gospel-influenced backing vocals, not unlike the ones that appear on Diana Ross's Someday We'll Be Together. on the list of great soul breakdowns and bridges, the one in 25 miles ranks as one of the best. This is the product of a shared lifetime in the belly of American soul. Collaborations with the most uniquely blessed musicians in the business. And a sense of timing and know-how from the minds behind Motown. All converging in the final year of the greatest decade in popular soul music history. When all of these roads meet, they bring us to a party that we must feel lucky to have been invited to. Coming up, my friend Paul Oswell returns to the show. You're listening to American 100. Hey folks, thanks for listening to American 100. I'm Micah McKee and I wrote the original music for this show and produced it along with Asher Griffith. And if you like content like this, then uh, think about dropping something in our jar. Head over to patreon.com slash cicada radio. Even a pledge of as little as a dollar a month means the world to us. We do this show because we love music and we love radio. So head to patreon.com slash cicada radio and help us out if you can. Thanks. Returning to the show is Paul Oswell. He's a comedian, a DJ, a journalist, and a music lover. Here's my conversation with him. You know, one by Three Dog Night and Edwin Starr, 25 Miles, they are completely different uh, in terms of tone, in terms of mood, in terms of what kind of songs they are, um, but they really kind of represent where the world, and specifically America, was um, in 1969, are you a are you a Harry Nilsson fan? Uh, so uh, my uh, I know a cover version of it much better than the original. Um, so I've always uh, listened to, or I'm more, more familiar with the Amy Mann uh, cover version in the 90s, um, which was on the soundtrack to a movie called Magnolia. 
uh, and she did a really great cover version of it. Um, stripped down a little bit, uh, but like the, she's got that electric piano. It's a different energy for sure. Can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. And I guess I never noticed before um, the opening that's kind of staccato opening is meant to mimic the engaged tone of a telephone. And it's funny. Last time we spoke uh, on the on the last episode that I was on, we were talking about this subgenre of uh, weird subgenre of people writing songs. Because of frustrations with the telephone system, <laughs> and I didn't know this fell into that. That's uh, it's pretty funny. Um, what about Twenty Five Miles? I think actually my first exposure, um, and I had to look this up. But I was like, someone sampled this, uh, and I think it's going back to nineteen eighty nine. Uh, band called the Cookie Crew um, <laughs> sampled this song, and I think that was my first exposure to it. They probably didn't, that probably, that song probably didn't make it in the States. <laughs> he has a very visceral, like, I don't think anyone sings from their gut, like Edwin Starr, it's just, yeah. It's incredible. I performed this song, this was one of the first songs I learned with The Essentials, and this is a, an extremely difficult song to perform every time I've been performing this, I've been performing this song for 10 years, and it's never been, never gotten easier. Yeah. He makes noises that no one else now makes. <laughs> yeah. So I asked you to choose three songs that... Uh, embody the feeling of loneliness and help you deal with the loneliness in your life and um what you got for me the first one uh is the classic uh there is a light that goes out by the smiths Take me uh, and a lot of morris's songs are about being lonely but i feel like this one's this is the one that people know and it's a little indulgent. Um, I believe it's loosely based on Rebel Without a Cause. Morris is kind of this cultural magpie, isn't he? He, he kind of steals and adapts lyrics from uh, books and movies. But in terms of, yeah, addressing your own loneliness, I think this is, you know, the quintessential song. Uh, the next one I had was uh, um, Amy Winehouse, Tears Dry on Their Own. One of my favorite things musically is upbeat music, downbeat lyrics. <laughs> I just love that combination so much. I don't know why, but I love a kind of summery, jazzy sounding song, but when you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of devastating. Um, and here's Amy Winehouse, probably at the peak of her powers. So you got this kind of jazzy, sort of neo-soul thing going on, but uh, it's the lyrics are a cry for help. I must say, I came around to Amy Winehouse a bit later in life. I, I used to think that her music was uh, like derivative and 
you know, I usually think that she, in effect, was stealing from prominent black artists. And she is, but what I came to learn, and I now love her work and I love her, her musicianship, what, what I came to learn is that it came from a place of genuine love and devotion for the music. She's a student of this music. Dancing on My Own uh, by Robin, um, which I feel is uh, kind of a empowered, uh, not a direct response, but kind of a, a response to There Is A Light That Never Goes Out. You know, she's lonely, but um, she's using it to springboard into a more self-actualizing stance, you know? It's a perfect song, and it passes the stripped-down cover song test. I've heard the song performed by a variety of singers, and it, hold, it holds up. Yeah, it's a perfect pop song. Uh, it also contains uh, devastating lyrics. It's a ble- big black sky over my town. Uh, that's right in their first verse. Yes, it's so sad. It connects with so many people, too. I've played it during DJ sets, and everybody goes crazy for it. This is, uh, is going be great, man, and thank you for coming on. And uh, we're going to have to get you back on the show for less depressing subject matter. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy to talk about uplifting songs as well. <laughs> We thank Paul Oswell for joining us today, and um, Rando, are we feeling a little bit better, buddy? You know, actually I am. This time has been really isolating and lonely for me, but knowing that everyone goes through loneliness, even rock stars, that made me feel a lot better about myself. For sure, for sure. That makes me feel really, really glad. Well, are you ready for our favorite part of the show, the one where you randomly select a year and two spots in the Billboard Hot 100 chart to discuss for next episode? Commencing randomization. The year 1982 and the numbers 5 and 93. Which correlate with Centerfold by Jay Giles Band and What's Forever 4 by Michael Murphy. American 100 is produced by myself, Micah McKee, along with Asher Griffith, and is, of course, presented by Cicada Radio. And for an episode like this, it seems appropriate to take us out with Donnie Hathaway and Roberta Flack's version of a Carol King composition, You've Got a Friend. From all of us at American 100, thanks for listening, and always keep a song in your heart.
This is Cicada Radio. Sing, love, die.